we like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for June 24th, 2019. Next uh, report, Pelosi's tweet confirms comprehensive immigration reform amnesty deal. This just came out today. Today's tweet by Speaker Nancy Pelosi confirms Alipac's accurate predictions and reports that Trump, Trump's most recent lie about mass deporting illegals is part of a plot to pass amnesty legislation for millions of illegals. View their report here and here, which proves everything. I've already covered all of this. I'm just going to touch on this because I have already covered it. In response to Trump's cave on mass deportation threats to pursue amnesty deals, Pelosi tweets, Mr. President, delay is welcome. Time is needed for comprehensive immigration reform. Families belong together. So see, they're just jockeying all this into position for that when Trump signs off on this, you know, they're going to legalize, I don't know how many millions on that particular day, and they'll all become citizens legally in a guaranteed Democratic voting block right then. But that's all part of the plan. Uh, now, next report this is a little video here. We Now we know why this city was the hot zone event destination. And this gives us some more insight on the Ebola angle. Someone has come to the channel and brought now, this is that Florida Ma Maquis that I had mentioned earlier, or that uh, the one lady had mentioned earlier. This is this is him. This is a recent video he put out. Absolute treasure trove of information regarding this issue with Ebola. They have answered in one video, they have answered three questions, doing open source intelligence research at a level I haven't seen since I was in the military. This person knows what they're doing, and if they don't have any specific training, um, I, then they're just a natural. I have no explanation for how good this research is, unless this person has been trained to do it. The big question has been in my mind, and I have been trying to dig this up. Why San Antonio? Why of all of the cities, San Antonio, Texas, are they bringing these people from the Congo? This person. So this is the first place they're they're coming into. The first place they're um, bringing all these Congolese potentially infected with Ebola, illegal alien invaders. Answers this question, and not only does this person answer this question, this person reveals exactly how completely, totally, utterly misinformed the health director of San Antonio is about the virus, how it spreads, and who's at risk and who's not. But also, like icing on the cake, shows exactly why you should be terrified of handling cash. And we're going to show that through some snippets from the video that this particular channel operator showed me. Now, let's give credit where credit is due. The channel is an asterisk space 411. Now, I'll be very honest, I've never heard of this channel. This is the first contact. I've never, I have not to this point been in contact with the channel operator. So I'm hoping here that this is something that they would appreciate, especially since they gave me a message that said specifically right here, it was about an hour ago. She said, quote, it's already in Texas. Please see my video Florida Maquis. I need you talking about it because you reach more people. And then she gives me the link 
And then she also stated, whoever wrote that article, asked, do we have an epidemic? Good grief. They already dropping immigrants from the Congo and San Antonio. They are allegedly catching them at the border, then pretending for the last six months they have been screened. Right. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Now, why San Antonio? I'm going to let you figure out this picture. I'm not going to say the word. They're, it's a guinea pig. It's a picture of a guinea pig. This is why. We're going to show this using some snippets from the video that she posted, that link. Now, real quick, let's back up to the 5 minute and 20 second mark. Where we can address this issue. Well, let's see, 450, 448. Here we go. Ready? They have gone through more health screenings in the last six months than probably most of, most of us go through in our lifetime. Um, Lies. But regardless Lies. of all of that is the fact that it's a 21-day incubation period. So it's really not possible that if more they lies. were exposed to Ebola in the DRC, that now six months later they could develop symptoms and in, infect us. Yeah. And how did they get here, I wonder? And they're not getting into the fact that, you know, Ebola can be dormant now in sequestered parts of the body for over a year. CNN even, I, I saw the original CNN report with that doctor that they had brought back where the Ebola was in his eye and it caused his eye to change color. I played that clip in the last, uh, it was the last study, the study before that. And that's true. I mean, CNN even reported on it, that it can sequester itself in a certain part of the body like the eye. In this case, it changed the guy's eye color. And when they tested the eye, Ebola was there. And this was like a year afterward. So all of this is lies that they're saying in the mainstream press. And they're, quote, doctors. Completely, totally, absolutely, 100% incorrect, dangerously incorrect information. How do we know this? Very simply, we have covered this before. And this is old information. Woman spreads Ebola virus one year after infection, doctors say. Now, what the woman who was just speaking at the podium didn't address is someone who had been infected, who had gotten over the infection, and still may be carrying it right. in the brain, in the testes, in all sorts of different places in the body that have immune privilege. This woman infected a sexual partner. Now... A year. One year after. later, yeah. after having recovered from it. So that's step one right there, completely blown out of the water. Now, same video. Now, here's another thing. Most of the alternative media that's reporting on this are not reporting on what he just said or what I've been saying that this thing, and Mike Adams did a video on this and he was trying to blow apart this as well, but he wasn't using this information that we're talking about now at all i don't think he's aware of it that it can sequester itself in this in in the body for a year or more and infect other people so i mean it's it's a whole other animal that we're dealing with here we're going to jump to the nine minute and 20 second mark here Nine thirty, actually all right here we go Roxy joins us live from the city's Myrick Resource Center downtown. 
Roxy, how many people have gone through that recent that center recently? We're told 14,000 people have been helped through the center since it opened, including the 250 asylum seekers who were dropped off last Tuesday. Now they have to go through an extensive process before they even walk through these doors. The city says that they've gone through more screenings in a six-month period than most Americans do in their lifetime. Right. And first at five, right. patently false. That's what Metro Health calls rumors that the recent Congolese arrivals here were exposed to Ebola in the Democratic Republic. How could they possibly know if they were or were not exposed to Ebola in the Democratic Republic of Congo? You could have passed somebody in the streets there that had it or brushed up against them and got it. And you could be, you could have it in a sequestered tissue in the body. How could they, they're acting like they're God and they know there's no way these people that are here. No, probably the ones that are here were the ones that were most certainly exposed or they wouldn't have went through all the trouble and all the millions it cost George Soros and his ilk to bring them over here as disease vectors. Congo. The Metro Health Director was compelled to respond in hopes of knocking down those rumors. Well, the yeah, Metro of course, because they got to give you their lies to to appease the masses. It's really much ado about nothing. But oh, she yeah. says she wanted to make it perfectly clear yeah. that San Antonio was never put at any risk, lies. any health risk, lies. as a result of the Congolese asylum seekers being here. Lies. Besides, she says, by the time those 250 Congolese men, women, and children arrived in San Antonio, they'd already undergone more health screenings than most people do in a lifetime. Oh, At right. each airport yeah. they flew through in Africa, every border checkpoint coming They up flew through. I didn't know they flew out of Africa. Boy, they must have had deep pockets. All these totally poor Congolese immigrants that are fleeing, they have no money, but yeah, they're flying. They're probably flying first class, hopefully. Yeah, they were screened, though, every step along the way. Just total bald-faced lies. Through South and Central America and Mexico, and, of course, at the U.S. border as well. The reason being is because... At the U.S. border? You mean the, when they waded across the Rio Grande and infected the river with Ebola, and then they got over here? Oh, yeah, I'm sure there was a medical team waiting on the other side uh, and when they waited over to check them. I mean, everything we're seeing here is total lies. We're coming from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. It's a very large country, keep in mind. And Dr. Bridger says that the Ebola outbreak over there is isolated in one oh, area. Another more lies. From where these Congolese asylum seekers oh, yeah, came right. from. Oh, yeah, right. Once again, totally, totally false information. Now we know it's in Goma. Now we know that it started up in the Catholic parish of Mangina. We also know that a year ago it was in Mbandaka, which is on the complete other side of the Congo. Now it's in Uganda. There's been allegations of thing making its way into Kenya. Absolutely, totally, completely false information. Now, the next place that we're going to jump to is... Now, this is the part about cash. I know a lot of you are totally against cryptocurrency. Yeah, but. now, I mean, he gives, he goes into this, he's went, he's put out several videos. Now, we need to go over to crypto, guys, because the cash is all going to be uh, contaminated with Ebola. Now, how readily Ebola could live on something like cash, that, I'd like to see studies on that. I mean, um, normally things like this cannot live outside the body for just weeks on end. Now, I'm not saying cash is sanitary. I know it's not, but... Again, he totally says colloidal silver is, there's no, and I understand if you're using 10 part per million, absolutely. But he totally throws that under the bus like he's some authority on it. 
and now he's going to demonize cap when cryptocurrency is the, going to be the very backbone for how they implement you know the cashless society where no man is going to be able to buy sell or trade unless he have the mark in his right hand or his forehead so see that's going to be the the absolute i mean if you have to do everything with crypto do you realize the government will have 100 percent control of everything because everything will be digital and electronic there will be no i mean other than if you can find people to barter with that's why i would fight that tooth and nail so i don't agree with everything this guy has to say but you know he's gonna he's gonna go into that no. i want you to listen to something that even i didn't think about i heard it for a bunch of times and i didn't even think to put the two and two together we're going to jump to the 21 minute and 55 second mark here here we go listen to this guy who was in san antonio and i mean who, who's who's i i couldn't get deeper than, than this but... i played this clip last week what I found out is um, through an aid worker there, he said they actually do have money, uh, uh, quite a few of them, because he spotted them under a tree right in front of the shelter counting right. their a roll of money with $100 bills. Right. And he spotted them, and they just put it back in the pocket. He didn't take it away of them, of course, but they're still hanging there and waiting for, you know, public help. So where did they expect to be going? Did they have friends or family here? Okay. So, so yeah, they had the $100, roll of $100 bills which were given to them to by the George Soros crowd. And, you know, they got over, they evidently, they flew over here and, you know, they supposedly made this big trek northward or whatever and walked all this way. I kind of doubt all of that. I, I, I doubt any of their, their stories. They won't tell, they get very defensive to the reporters when they ask how they got here. And um, they just give these very nebulous, evasive, aggressive answers. And we got into that last week. So the point there was that if they've been given cash, it would be an ideal vector to try to spread it. Listen, I'm not going to say that wouldn't be. Not only that, if they had $100 bills, guess what you got to do with those? You got to break those. So they take the $100 bill, they want to buy a pack of gum or whatever, for argument's sake, and they, and they take it in there and they break the $100. And then now they've got the $100 infected, and then now they've got all that change that they just got into their, that's also infected. That's, that would be more of a motivation to give them larger bills because then they would be able to infect more other bills once those $100 bills were broken, meaning that, you know, you break 100 you okay, I, I need my change back, that type of thing. So I'm not saying that that couldn't be an ideal vector for spreading, okay? But for us to, for if, if that's going to be the justification for us to go to a cashless society, which it very well may be it's just another satanic plot to put us there is, is my point i'm trying to make so these people are coming here with massive amounts of u.s cash yeah massive amounts i mean they're making tons of money over in the congo these all these i mean they're they're just raking the money in and they're flying over here and and they're coming in with rolls of hundred dollars bills and they're just doing that all on their own of U.S. cash. Guess what they're going to be doing with it? They're going to be handling it. They're going to be passing it between themselves. They're going to be putting it into cash registers all over the place, and it's going to vector all over that city, which is going to vector all over Texas, and who knows? Somebody visits San Antonio, then they get some of that cash, then they travel back to their home in, say, uh, Indiana, or West Virginia, or Idaho, and now it's everywhere. They're coming in handling, having handled rolls of cash through this entire escapade, however they got here. 
Now the very and wading through the Rio Grande River to boot end is where they nail the two points, the final two points here. So let's jump to the 25-minute part of that video. I mean, for that matter, they'd be contaminating, potentially contaminating, wherever they go. Whatever hotels they stay in, whatever buses they ride upon, whatever, you know, places they visit or frequent. I mean, again, that's that the potential's all there. This is amazing how you do research. This is really incredible. All right, so this is 3 minutes and 39 seconds. I'm going to speed it up to 1.25. This shows why, San Antonio. Claiming lives and paralyzing people in fear. Dr. Olena Stanko at the Texas Biomedical Research Institute is a warrior in the battle against Ebola. <laughs> After what? gearing up in these protective suits, she handles deadly pathogens in this lab. There's only a handful of facilities like this in the country. If we can look at another easy difference. Stanko is part of a team studying how Ebola makes its way into cells and replicates. If we know how the virus enters the cell, we can find a way to target that entry and ultimately block it. She says they already know the virus invades the body through a process called macropinocytosis. Imagine the surface of the cell and imagine the surface is just extending its arms around the virus, engulfing it and breathing inside the cell so the virus can get engulfed and start replicating. What they discovered is a second process happening at the cell surface. It was very surprising to find that uh, another mechanism called autophagy or self-eating was involved in uptake of the virus from the cell surface. She says finding ways to regulate these two processes would be the next step. It's very important to understand uh, the, the biology of these emerging viruses because viruses are not going anywhere. They are going to keep emerging. So we have here the facilities and expertise to study these viruses. On the heels of a recent Ebola outbreak in Central Africa, a research facility right here in San Antonio is testing a promising treatment for the deadly virus. 44 new Ebola cases have been reported in Africa, including 23 deaths. And right now, here in San Antonio, the Texas Biomedical Research Institute is testing what could be a groundbreaking treatment. Just so happened to be where they brought all these Congolese as their as their initial their their initial uh, point where they were. Then I don't know whether they were tested there, whether they were what was going on. But it's what the point he's trying to make is that it's no coincidence that the main one of the main places they're testing regarding Ebola is right there in San Antonio, and that's where like, these Congolese um, invaders have been brought in. Scientist Ricardo Carillon knows his way around a lab. The BSO-4 is a specialized laboratory where we deal with agents that have no cure. And one of the agents Carillon and his team are currently dealing with is the Ebola virus. They are testing out a new therapy with the help of these guys, monkeys. And they're so related to humans in terms of their immune response and how the virus interacts with, the, with that host that we have, are confident by saying that if we are able to protect a monkey against Ebola virus, it should work in humans. The therapy may be simple but complex because it takes a lot of study and data. Carillon explains how it works. So in the study that we're doing now, and again, these are animal studies, uh, but we're trying to mimic what would happen in a human study. You would uh, get three doses of this uh, therapy through a vein over a 90-second period. Essentially, the IV injection stops the virus from spreading to other organs. So what this antibody does is it either attaches to the, the virus and neutralizes it there, attaches to the cell, prevents infection of that cell, and gives your body enough time to mount its own response to it and clear it out. So what our goal is with this therapy is to be able to reduce the numbers just long enough so that your human system can kick in and take care of take care of business. And we've shown in monkeys is very effective at doing that. Carillon says right now there is not a single FDA-approved vaccine or therapy for the treatment of the Ebola virus, oh, but that is something they hope to change. Oh, yeah. 
Now, Carillon says this is the first of several studies. They hope that the therapy will be available for us by 2023. And what is extraordinary about Texas Biomed, it is the only private research center in the world that has both primates and a level four biosafety lab. So it it's private. It is one of the few places where this type of research can be done. Hmm. It's the only private biomedical research that has level four and can do it. That's why. Because if they were doing it publicly, that stuff would be information you and I would have access to eventually. This is why they chose San Antonio. This is because of this research center. They chose San Antonio to bring these people in because that research center is there. And you mark my words, you mark my words on this, this is why. This is why they chose San Antonio. This video has shown that... He's showing the picture of the guinea pig again. ...person, the medical director of San Antonio, very clearly doesn't understand or is putting out disinformation, one of the two. It has shown the danger of cash because massive wads of cash were given to these people in this high-risk area, and they have brought it back here. And now we know why San Antonio. Because of this private medical research facility that has the ability to do this with level 4 containment. That puts so many pieces of the puzzle together in one video. Absolutely stunning, amazing research work by Anne Asterisk Space 411. Incredible research, well done, welcome to the Maquis. This is how you do research. So I will give you the link to her channel. I will give you the link to that video. Okay, so I think we get the gist of that. Um, the next one is entitled Paradise Lost, Homeless in Los Angeles. It's just a brief video that kind of gives you a kind of a synopsis of what uh, we should be expecting coming out of Los Angeles. For so long, for so many, it was a dream. Suntans and movie stars and surfing songs and infinite possibility. California dreaming. The same sun still shines down on Los Angeles, and for many the dream is still golden, still very real. But there is a thing happening in L.A., a vast failure that is making people afraid, and they should be afraid. This is Skid Row in Los Angeles, and none of the things you see here, the garbage and the filth and the degradation. It's just tent after tent after, you know, makeshift homeless shelter. It's unlike anything I've really ever seen in America. And it is shocking to those of us in Seattle. We see it almost every day. But the sheer volume of it here, the enormity of it all, is truly mind-boggling. And it has opened the doors to some next-level problems that are horrifying. It is 53 square blocks of suffering and mental illness and drugs on a level that is hard to fathom. When I first got here, I was a man. But after being here for nine years, it took a toll on me. And now I'm, I don't feel like a man anymore. And now, bubbling at the surface, is the long-ignored cousin of addiction and homelessness, disease. We have not seen conditions 
for humans like this since medieval times. Period. And that's a fact. But if you get Dr. Drew Pinsky is scared and outraged, and on his radio show in L.A., he no longer holds back. Tuberculosis is exploding, non-tuberculous acid fast bacilli exploding, and then the rat-borne illnesses, plague and typhus. And then we had typhoid fever last week. I, even I didn't think that, I, didn't, I missed that. I mean, so typhoid fever means, oh, now we have oral fecal contamination, so that's going to mean parasites and cholera. Here we go, everybody. Just everything you everything you found See, in your... All this is being done by design on purpose, though, to, to get this whole plague pandemic. Just one more way they're going to fulfill the depopulation agenda. History books, we got it. It's coming. He says that bubonic plague, Black Death as it was known, which killed 25 million people over a five-year period in the Middle Ages, is likely already present in L.A. It is caused by fleas biting rats and spreading it to humans. And an army of rats, millions strong, has overthrown Los Angeles. Ugh. They have infested... They're showing them. I mean, there are just rats all over the place. Infested City Hall. The LAPD station in downtown L.A. was fined by the state for rodent infestation. Two employees... I mean, <laughs> I'd be like taking every cat out of the shelter, you know, that they're scheduled to put down. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it couldn't hurt. I mean, let them run loose. I don't know. Feed the cats and let them eat the rats. I mean, something. Of course, again, they're doing all this by design on purpose, you know. And um, it's, it's, it's just horrific. This video, the visuals in it are, are unbelievable. Employees have been infected by typhus. Cops have been diagnosed with typhoid fever, hepatitis A, and staph. This is the end of it right here. We're really close to the end of whatever our existence on this earth is going to be. Skid Row has been in L.A. for a long time, but not like this. Never like this. There's over a thousand registered sex offenders on the streets of, of Skid Row. Oh. Andy Bale is the CEO of the Union Rescue Mission in the epicenter of Skid Row. His life's work is saving lives here. People get beaten, uh, women get raped. Um, it's just a brutal environment. He looks out now, and he too is scared. He too is outraged. This is real. Yeah, it's it's real, and you know who knows. This is like a petri dish for disease he knows while delivering water to the people he serves he contracted staff e coli and strep it cost him his leg he had to get his leg below the knee cut off this guy sir serving the homeless because he got MRSA which is the most aggressive strain of staff which I just so you know I have a very very good protocol for MRSA Oh, if, if you want that, I mean, it's, it's the kind, it's because of all the super strains that are in the hospitals, because of the absolute abuse and overuse of antibiotics, the bacteria has mutated to such a point that they've got super strains, and this is MRSA, multiple resistant Staph aureus, and um, got a very good protocol for it that just, you know, use the contact page at continuingfortruth.com. And I've, I've also done teachings on it, so just key in MRSA if you want, MRSA or staff, you probably find it at contendingfortruth.com. And the lost souls on the streets below have no idea what they're up against. I mean, is it a life or death situation? No. I mean... Uh, yeah, it is, but okay. It's just a part of life, being sick. 
It's been easy enough for most people to ignore the plight of Skid Row, but then it started to spread. Homelessness is exploding here, up 16% in one year, 36,000 wandering the streets of Los Angeles, 59,000 in L.A. County. In the shadow of iconic buildings, there are tents now. Right outside beautiful City Hall, there are tents. On Alvarado Street, a man walks out into traffic to avoid the filth. There's just garbage and filth everywhere. I mean, no efforts from what I'm seeing to, to clean up a lot of this stuff and to, to create any kind of, you know, sand. It's, it's just like what's going on at the border. They're just letting it happen on purpose, by design, just to create this gigantic problem that's just going to multiply and fester. This beach, called the New Skid Row by some, tents and the things that come with them are on full display. Jill Stewart is the head of the Coalition to Preserve L.A. And there's a lot of butt covering going on. Oh, we did a great job last week. Oh, fantastic press conference. And I'm just, I'm at the point where if the city council and the mayor don't do something innovative and dramatic pretty soon, we're going to spend every single day putting out press releases about how incompetent they are. The camps pop up only where they are allowed. Manhattan Beach, for instance, is pristine. Look at this. Under this overpass on the 405, on one side, there is nothing. On the other side, a line of tents and garbage. That's because one side is in Culver City. Culver City doesn't allow them. The other side is in Los Angeles. Los Angeles does. The health risks are everywhere. Miranda, on the streets for four years now, knows. Particularly hepatitis A is very rampant out here. That's one of the, the, big, the big ones. But this scabies is just a plethora of, of, of health risks and problems out here. Los Angeles spent $620 million to fight homelessness last year. The successes have been dwarfed by the failures. Many insist that City Hall has been paralyzed by indecision, all the while assuring the public that things are under control. If you live in Seattle, perhaps that sounds familiar. Behind the I mean, the cost of living there is so high. And with the illegal aliens coming in and overburdening all of the resources and taking those jobs and just all of the ways they're trying to destroy the economy, it's put a ton of people on the streets. And I know I'm not doing it justice. I know there's a lot of other factors than that, but it's, it's horrible. Here of the gorgeous sunsets and the vast wealth of sunny Southern California, nobody talks about good vibrations anymore. They talk about disease and despair and how the dream went so very wrong. The worst man-made disaster in the United States, by far, it's 53 square blocks of abandoned people who've been really left to die. Uh, you don't really live on Skid Row, you, you come here to die. It was the place to go for your dreams, and now it's the place to go with your nightmares. Do you feel like you're shouting into the wind? I am screaming into the wind, and it, I feel like, and I feel this way every it's day. Dr. Drew. Like I'm standing on a railroad track, and the train is coming, and I know the bridge is out. And I'm like, hey, stop, stop, stop. And the engineers are looking at me and give me the finger. You're <laughs> on the eve wow. of really serious trouble. Okay, so we have that, uh, which heavily figures into the whole, you know, the Ebola thing and, and how they could try to ramp up a lot of these things. And they are trying to ramp up a lot of these things, uh, unfortunately, on purpose, which I know is, is incomprehensible. But uh, 
you know, they got to get that first command commandment of the Georgia Guidestones kicking into gear, which is, you know, reduce world population to 500 million in perpetual balance with nature, which is like, you know, probably around a 95% reduction in population. So, uh, this report also broke, uh, new vaccines will permanently alter human DNA. <laughs> so remember, they're going to have vaccines for all this stuff. And some of these things, like they mentioned in the uh, Los Angeles video we just heard, um, you know, obviously they've already got vaccines. But this is where the vaccines are all heading. And, and I've been warning about this for years, that the main reason that they're pushing the vaccines is because they're trying to defile and alter our DNA so that we're not fully human anymore, which is exactly what was going on in Genesis 6. Um, consider this article in light of the accelerating push to mandate and enforce vaccination across the planet. In reference, the reference is New York Times, um, March 9th, 2015, and it was entitled Protection Without a Vaccine. It describes the frontier research. Now, remember, this is like over four years ago. Here are key quotes that illustrate the use of syn synthetic genes to protect against disease while changing the genetic makeup of humans. They're admitting this. Now, again, this was four years ago. That's what they were admitting to. How far have they come now and how much more aggressive are they going to get with the vaccines and how much of it are you going to have no clue about when you step up to the plate and get it and then you have the, the flu vaccines and stuff where you're getting it and they're getting microchipped at the same time and this is being proven when they scan the areas of these people that are getting the flu vaccines they've got microchips in there so a, lot, a ton of people are already microchipped now i'm not saying it's the mark of the beast but it's a way they can track you and potentially activate certain aspects of the chip it can i don't it can act like probably like a a robot a injectable nano robot and um do only god knows what you know anyway this is not science fiction by delivering synthetic genes into the muscles of experimental monkeys the scientists are essentially re-engineering the animals uh to resist disease the sky is the limit said michael farzin the immunologist at scripps and lead author of the new study. The first human trial based on the strategy called immunoprophylaxis uh, by gene transfer, or IGT, is underway and several new ones are planned. IGT is altogether different from traditional vaccinations. It's a, it is instead a form of gene therapy. Scientists isolate the genes that produce powerful antibodies against certain diseases, and then they synthesize artificial versions. The genes are placed into viruses and injected into the muscle tissue, usually the muscle. It reminds me very much of the concept of I Am Legend, where they, the whole justification they were giving for the cancer vaccine in that show. Here's the punchline. The viruses invade the human cells with their DNA payloads, and the synthetic gene is incorporated into the recipient's own DNA. Well, so you're not fully human anymore. Your DNA has been defiled. It's different. It's being genetically altered. If all goes well, the new genes instruct the cells to begin manufacturing powerful antibodies. Read that again. The synthetic gene is incorporated into the recipient's own DNA. Alternation, alteration of the human genetic makeup is what we're talking about here. Permanent alteration. The enormous tonnage of propaganda about vaccines and the resultant mandatory laws that enforce vaccination create a powerful channel along which to re-engineer. The re-engineering is eminently possible. Synthetic genes injected into billions of humans 
would form a grand experiment to create an altered species. Yeah. An altered species. A grand experiment. Kind of like Genesis 6. Well, what does Genesis 6 say? Huh. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives all that they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. So God immediately pronounces judgment because up until that point, people had been living like Methuselah into like the 950 range. Okay. Well, God, this must not have made God happy that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair because he immediately pronounces judgment, reduces the human lifespan to 120 years, like max, which is pretty much what it is today. And then what was the, what was the result of all this? There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. And we see that after that, like when the um, Israelites went to go into the promised land and they had to deal with the giants. When the sons of God came in under the daughters of men, and they, meaning the daughters of men, bare children to them, to who? The sons of God. The same became, became men, mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. So where we get our Greek legends from and things of this nature, the Titans. Okay, so these were fallen, these were angels that fell is what we're talking about here. I'm going to prove that in a second. And God saw, okay, so what was the result of these mighty men, men of old, men of renown, and these women bearing children to the fallen angels? Well, okay, verse 5 says, And God saw that wickedness, the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it's pretty much the way it is today. But, but then again, Jesus said, As it was in the days of um, Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So here we are looking at Noah. And yeah, it's looking a lot like then um and it repented the lord that he'd even made man on earth and it grieved him at his heart so obviously in these two verses that we looked at in genesis 6 2 and genesis 6 4 the term sons of god are listed as distinct and separate when compared to the daughter of men in other words they are not humans this is very similar to the verse also in relationship to fallen angels but in this case this is during the end times that we are living in where does it talk about this Daniel 2.43, and whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they, and this is in reference to fallen angels, shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Well, it has to be fallen angels. It's, it's a different species. If it was the seed of men, it would say the seed of men mingled itself with the seed of men. That makes no sense. It's something different. Okay? But again, what went on in Genesis 6, Jesus said is supposed to go on right before his return well that's where we're at right now the days of the coming of the son of man J daniel which talks about the, the end times which is talking about the end times that we're living in as well says they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men but they shall not cleave now that word cleave means to fit aptly to fit well okay so i think their experiment this time is not going to work as well as it did in genesis 6 and this is why we have all this alien abduction garbage that's went on for decades and decades and decades um they're creating this hybrid hybrid race but i think they've had a lot of trouble with it anyway they shall but they shall not cleave one to another even as iron is not mixed with clay so the bible predicts this and then we see in job 1 6 now 
there was a day when the sons of God, so in the Bible, when we're looking at a term, and in the Old Testament, it's translated from Hebrew, that term sons of God is only ever in reference to angels. Now, I understand in the New Testament, it can mean a New Testament believer. I get that. But in the Old Testament, it's never referred to that way. There were no New Testament believers in the Old Testament. I mean, Jesus had not come. Okay? So this is how the term the sons of God was always used in the Old Testament. It's used, I think, uh, five times. And in every single reference, it is very clear it's in reference to angels. First, the, the um, first reference in Job, Job 1.6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. Okay, so the angels, Satan, came before the Lord. Okay, and then in Job 2.1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. So, how could humans present themselves before the Lord? If you believe the sons of God are humans, or the godly line of Seth, like the cemeteries teach, the preachers now. How could humans present themselves before God? With Satan. I, I, this happened in heaven, okay? You couldn't do that you were human okay how could humans present themselves before the lord with satan to dialogue with god more specifically hmm now look at the full context of then job 38 7 which says in verse 4 job 38 4 it says god is asking a question where was thou when i laid the foundations of the earth declare if thou hast understanding who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest or who hath stretched the line upon it Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? God is asking all these questions. And then he says in verse 7, When the morning stars sang together, angels, and the sons of God shouted for joy. How could this be in reference to humans when the time frame was when God laid the foundation of the earth in the seven-day creation before he had even created man. Think about that. It has to be in reference to angels. The morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Because that was when God was laying the foundation of the earth. And the whole, well, I guess you could say six-day creation, he rested on the seventh. Yeah, there's one to think about. So let's go back to this report. Of course, regarding this genetic alteration of humans' DNA, there is no informed consent. The human guinea pigs have no knowledge of what is being done to them. And what would be, ob what would be the objectives of this lunatic research program? Uh, well, they would vary. On a simplified level, there would be two. Create a weaker and more docile, more obedient and dependent humans. Well, I, I say the number one is to defile our DNA so we have no ability to get saved and we can only, and we only have a desire to serve Satan. I think that's that's the overriding one. They're not going to get into that. This is more of a clinical type of report here. But that, from a, from a satanic standpoint, that's the main goal. Okay. Uh, and then the other side, create a stronger and healthier and more intelligent and more talented humans. Obviously, the results of the latter experiments would be applied to the only the chosen few. And clearly, some of this research would be carried on inside the military. Secrecy is easier to maintain, and the aim to produce better soldiers is a long-standing goal of the Pentagon and its research arm DARPA. 
A global vaccine experiment of this type I'm describing here has another bonus for the planners. Those people who fall ill or die can be written off, off as having suffered from various diseases and disorders, which have nothing to do with the vaccines. In other words, they blame it on something else. This is already standard operating procedure for the medical cartel. The numbers of casualties in this grand experiment would be of no concern to the brave new world shapers, and they want death and destruction. As I've documented extensively, the U.S. medical system is already killing 2.25 million per decade. That's way underblown, but it's a very conservative estimate. They even admit that as a result of the FDA approved drugs and mistreatments in hospitals. Major, and that's not even getting into the deaths by vaccines. Major media and government leaders are aware, are aware of this fact and have done nothing about it. It's all being swept under the rug. And so um, that is all I've, all the material I have edited for today. Uh, but uh, we will, uh, so that's all I have for today. And we will, Lord willing, see you next week. God bless you, and we will see you next week.